Hello! Welcome to Nonsense and Noise, a podcast about the queer, person of color, pop culture, media experience. Um, as you can tell, I'm still, it's, we're 20 episodes in, I still have no way to, like, greet everybody. Um, you know, before I was doing the triple hello and I just got very self-conscious about it and I'm like, mm, I seem lame. Anyways... I'm your host, Nathan Kanto, um, and welcome to Pod. Um, today is January 16th. I'm recording on MLK Day. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been two weeks into the new year. Um, back to work. Um, luckily, I had today off, and I uh, brought my car into the dealership. That's what I ended up doing today. Um, instead of uh, trying to do that at any other point during the weekend so I could try and enjoy my day off. But you know what? Um, Sometimes adult life comes at you hard and fast and uh, you make decisions that um, you would maybe not make in any other situation. Um, That's a very, like, intense way of putting it. Um, I just didn't want to go up to the dealership on Saturday, that's all. Um... I've just been working. Um, the only sort of new fun development that's occurred since in these first two weeks of the year is um, I am now starting to carpool uh, with one of my coworkers. So it turns out he lives like in actually my old apartment building. Um, and yeah, so it's been interesting just like getting to know him and everything. Um, this will be this upcoming week is going to be the second week of our of us carpooling together. And we only have to go to like the office twice a week. So it's not too bad. Um, but also at the same time, I don't think we've, like, reached the point where I'm, like, just fine not talking in the car quite yet. Like, I would still feel quite awkward about that, even though, like, probably it doesn't matter, especially since, like, we're going to run out of things to talk about anyways. Like, since our commute is, like, 40 to 50 minutes each way, like, I I don't need to spend two hours talking to this person, like, all the time. Um, which for like really a grand total of like four, almost four hours every week. So, um, but yeah, I'm carpooling. So at least I'm like saving a little bit of money. That's, that's nice. Um, and also it is my birthday in a little bit under a month. Um, I've been keeping a countdown on Twitter like I do every year. Um, I do a, a nice funny little bit on Twitter, um, with my display name, um, so right now we're at 23 days left, um, when this drops, which is probably going to be end of this week, um, you know, how many days are going to, how many days are going to be remaining, um, probably like 19, so, um, yeah, that's fun, looking forward to, um, I'm, I'm going to be trying to plan a house party, um, for some folks so we can get together, hang out, drink, maybe play some party games, who knows, we'll see, um, but yeah, that's the... That's the plan. Um, that's what I've been up to. Uh, for the most part, like, generally pr- things are pretty quiet. I've tried out, like, some new recipes, I guess, is, like, the only other fun thing. Like, I found this one um, nutritionist on Instagram, and she had this one uh, recipe for mason jar noodles, where, like, you just put a whole bunch of ingredients in a mason jar, and you top it off with some uh, vermicelli noodles, um, and then you just, like, heat it up with with hot or boiling water and like I tried it out last week and it ended up working out quite well and I was um surprised but also like you know I was not too surprised it was it was good and my personal trainer actually like 
I sent him that recipe because we were talking about food stuff and he was like, oh yeah, I actually do this. So it was cool to just like get that um, further feedback from my trainer of like, yeah, this is a reputable source to, to trust. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much all from me. Nothing too exciting in my life that's going on right now. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, just hop right into pop culture updates. Uh, so things are a little sparse on the video game end, but that's only because I think I covered a lot of, like, video game topics that I, or, like, updates that I wanted to last month, and I was, like, trying to limit this to just January. Um, so... Really, the only two that I have, um, Forspoken still coming out on January 24th. I just put my pre-order in yesterday, um, or maybe two days ago or whatever. Um, I decided, I was really waffling back and forth between whether or not I wanted, like, everything, like the full deluxe package, which includes prequel DLC. Um, I'm sure I'm gonna like the game enough to, like, maybe consider it, but also, like, considering all the other games that I need to play, um, and by need to, I mean, like, I literally have physical copies of them for my Switch, or they're in my Steam library, like, there's a lot of shit for me to do, and I don't need to necessarily spend more money, um, also, I don't need a huge game, huge new game to, like, play, because I've got Octopath Traveler 2 coming out at the end of February, and, like, that's gonna, that, uh... (laughs) I'm so excited for that, so, um, yeah, I just keep adding things to my backlog, and, like, my aunt bought me Pikmin 3 for Christmas, and, like, Christmas of 2020, it's been now almost three, it's been two years, and I haven't even opened it, um, I have that, and Shin Megami Tensei 3, I haven't finished Shin Megami Tensei 5, I haven't finished Harvestella, um, I have a problem. Anyways, uh, just in case you happened to miss last month's episode, Forspoken is an adventure RPG uh, open world where you play um, the character Frey, who is a black girl from New York City who gets transported to the mythical alternate dimension of Athia, um, and you basically explore Athia and and try and master magic while also trying to find your way home and figure out like what's wrong with Athia. So... Um, all the gameplay trailers and everything look really, really cool. Um, it's fantasy, um, and you get to it, it, like if I think Square Enix had said like the big focus is on like movement and fluidity of movement. So you get to see a lot of just like um, in addition to like learning magic, you actually learn like parkour skills. And so um, I highly recommend watching one of the trailers. I'll probably put that in the episode description so you guys can just like take a look. Um, the game looks really cool really looking forward to that. So that's Forspoken from Square Enix on January 24th. That is on PlayStation and PC. Um, And then the only other uh, game update that I saw that I haven't mentioned before is coming out on January 31st for Xbox. It's Age of Empires Definitive Edition. Um, Y'all, the real-time strategy game genre, like, has been not dead per se, but it's been dormant for a while. Like, so... I remember growing up in, like, the 2000s, like, real-time strategy games were, like, pretty, not rampant per se, but they were, like, everywhere. You had Age of Empires and all of its spinoff. You had Rise of Nations, which actually, like, I really liked. I played it, like, once at a friend's house and, like, really wanted to get it, but then um, my parents weren't super into me gaming when I was growing up, so I never got Rise of Nations, but that's okay. Maybe I'll find it somewhere um, and I can, like, see if it holds up to my expectations. Um, StarCraft is also real-time strategy. Um, what else? But basically, like, 
there was during the during the two thousands, like real time strategy was like a really big and like thriving genre of video game, and then like during the twenty tens and even now, like there's not too many like big name real time strategy games out there. Um, there's one that I have um, for on Steam from uh, I think it's Shiro Studios S H I R O, um, and they have a game called Northgard, and it's very much, it's very similar to Age of Empires, like Age of Mythology, that sort of thing, um, but with a Norse spin on it, um, it's pretty fun, the, and they have, like, so you play as, like, a different clan, or whatever, like, you get to choose a clan, and each clan has its, like, own, um, like, perks, and also, like, drawbacks, um, but of course the game mostly focuses on the perks, so for example, like, the Clan of the Bear, uh, they don't get to pe- get a penalty during wintertime, um, oh yeah, and the game has, like, seasons and winters, like, when you're penalized the most, um, because, like, this is taking place during, like, the age of Viking exploration and everything, so, um, yeah, it's, a it's really fun, and they really get you with all the DLC for all the different clans that they've added on. Um, I think they've added on maybe... They start... I think the base is, like, maybe five to seven clans or whatever. Or, no, I think it's five, and then they've added on, like, seven or eight now. Um, it's kind of wild, and I keep buying the DLC, even though, like, I rarely play this game, because, like, I'm not generally in the mood for real-time strategy all the time. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, Age of Empires is a game that I ended up growing up with. Sorry, that was a long tangent on real-time strategy, and I didn't even get to say what I wanted to say. Um, but, yeah, Age of Empires I grew up on. Um, I honestly don't understand how I played these games as, like, a child, literal child, like, these were my jam from, like, fourth through, like, eighth grade. I loved these things. Um, I mostly played Age of Empires and Age of Mythology, um, and, like I said, I played Rise of Nations once. I did not touch StarCraft ever. Um, I did not touch StarCraft until maybe, like, late 2021, early 2022, for, um, reasons that I will not talk about right now. Um, so, yeah, it's, a uh, I'm, I'm, it's cool to see that coming back. Um, there's a, a game studio called Frost Giant Studios that is trying to resurrect the RTS genre. Um, and right now they, their debut game is Stormgate. It's in beta right now, I believe. Um, I, I saw a trailer for it at the Game Awards over the summer, or maybe, yeah, no, over the summer I saw that, and, um, personally I wasn't super impressed um, but that's also because, like, this definitely had a more, like, World of Warcraft sort of feeling, um, and I, I don't know, like, in my RTS games, I, hmm, I don't know, I like more, um, like, builders, I guess? I don't know, um, either way, it didn't really appeal to me, but, like, I know that Frost Giant Studios is, like, trying to work on that, and on it, I've been following them for a little bit, um, just because I, I do like RTS games, um, I just have to be in the mood to play them, so, that's video games, I'm sorry, I just, like, went on this huge tangent for truly no reason, um, and so, we'll jump into movies, um, so I've got three movies for y'all, the first one has already come out, it's Megan, M3GAN, um, that came out on January 6th, 
Um, and this is, I know that people were like, oh, this looks like super campy and like people weren't expecting it to do really well, but then it like smashed box office expectations, which I think is very funny. Um, and I think it's just because it's so campy. Um, but this is like a horror movie, um, kind of adjacent to like Chucky's, like, you know, a doll, um, that, um, well, I guess technically this is an AI, but, like, it's still the same sort of concept of, like, there's this toy that has taken over our lives, and, um, we, uh, it's doing nefarious things, and we would like it to stop doing that, um, and I, I don't think there are actually, like, people of color in the main cast, but it was written by a black woman, um, let me just look up her name real quick, because I, uh, don't know it off the top of my head, it was written by Akila Cooper, um, and Akila Cooper has also written, um, Malignant, Hellfest, and The Nun 2, um, and she's also written for TV. She wrote on Tron Uprising, Grimm, Witches of East End, The Hundred, American Horror Story, Luke Cage, Avengers Assemble, uh, Chambers, Jupiter's Legacy, and then Star Trek A Strange New Worlds. Um, and she was a nom- nominee for uh, in 2017 for the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Writing in a Drama Series for Luke Cage. Um, she was also uh, nominated for Black Reel Award for, also for uh, Luke Cage. So, um, yeah, that's it's really cool that she got to um, put that work into this story that is now, like, very, very, it seems popular. Like, people seem to really like it a lot. <laughs> like I said, this movie, like, exceeded box office expectations. Um as of date of record, so the budget for this movie was $12 million. As of date of recording, uh, this movie has made $94.5 million, so that's, like, absurd. Um, it's great that, um, something that's not a huge, like, IP, like, Marvel or something is making this much money, so hopefully, uh, the movie studios will actually see, hey, it's cool, like, we can do stuff that's not just a franchise anymore, um, and hopefully we see cool news stories that come out instead of just, like, Avatar 5, um, where apparently (laughs) James Cameron is like, they're actually fired of you now, and it's just like, um, we had this we had this plot point in Avatar the Last Airbender like get over yourself you're not te- you're not telling any new stories you're just doing like your usual white savior narrative uh but recycling an already existing storyline so yeah um so that's Megan that came out on January 6th um the next two are um coming out on January 20th the first is Jung Yi um that is coming out the 20th of January on Netflix, and it is a post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie centering on um, the legacy of a mercenary strategist named Yoon Jung-yi, um, who is in a vegetative state after a failed mission. So in this movie, basically, there's, um, I guess, like, post-apocalyptic conditions on Earth, and so humanity's up in space um, and fighting, like, civil war up in space or whatever, and uh, Yoon Jung-yi um, is a, um, brilliant, like, military strategist, um, and she ended, she ends up, um, being in a, a failed mission, and she ends up in a vegetative state, um, and naturally, 
an AI development company takes a lot of interest in like cloning her brain so that they can have like, the ultimate combat warrior. So um, they try and try all these things, and then 35 years later, the daughter of Yoon Jung-hee, uh, Yoon So-hyun, is the leader of the actual project, which is actually in the, in the midst of being scrapped. Um, however, the project has created a prototype called Jung-hee, um, so the actual person's name, per, or character's name is spelled J-U-N-G-Y-I, um, and of course that's romanized from the Korean, um, and then the prototype is also called Jung-hee, but it's J-U-N-G underscore E, um, and it's all caps, so, um, yeah, this movie's about AI, the prototype AI trying to escape from the lab and, and all the ramifications of that, so that's coming out on January 20th on Netflix, um, and it's a Korean movie, um, and then the other movie that I saw that's coming out also on January 20th is a limited release. It's a movie called In From The Side, and it's a sport, sports movie about a uh, team of gay athletes who are, like, more second-string type of people, um, and they're trying to um, score a win at a game while dealing with some some romance within the team. Um, the synopsis that I found online didn't really give me anything more than that, so all you need to know is probably it's like a gay rugby team or something. Um, but either way, uh, I, I, I highlighted that just because at least it's a gay movie. Um, I don't know if I don't think there are any people of color featured in that, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, that's in from the side uh, with a limited release on January 20th. Um, so, like I said, uh, pop culture update this month is a little bit shorter than normal. Um, maybe sans my um, rant about RTS games. But, yeah, so that's it for now. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will launch into the main content. All right, and we are back from the break. Um, so if in case you didn't listen to last month's episode, this month we're also doing a recap or sort of summarization of the state of Super Asian America, but this time following DC Comics, because last month was Marvel, and we saw some good, we saw some bad, most of it was bad, but also um, there were some cool characters that I mentioned looking out for, and of course, you can't really talk about anything Marvel without talking about anything DC, so we're here doing part two of this series. Um, highly recommend going back to listen to the Marvel episode, but um, the DC episode, I mean, these are all standalone too, so like it doesn't really matter. Um, you just get to hear me being tired and upset at white people for like twice the time, I guess, if you listened to this one in the last episode. So um, just as a reminder for context, um, what sparked these episodes on Super Asian America was a comment by uh, Simulio on being Asian American representation in the superhero space and a lot of people were like, okay, well, how much representation is that actually? Because you're just being a uh, an Asian American 
person who knows Kung Fu. Like, martial arts is not a superpower. Um, And like I said in the previous episode, like, I understand his perspective. Like, this is his job, so he can't really, like, say, hey, I hate... I mean, he could, but um, he he doesn't really feel like he can say, hey, I hate doing this, um, or, like, this isn't good enough, because um, Hollywood is controlled by uh, white people wealthy white people who think they're, like, doing good, um, and when you hold the mirror up and say, like, hey, actually, this is not that great, then they can blacklist you and stuff, like, all of what happened with Brendan Fraser, um, after he was sexually assaulted by, like, this bigwig in Hollywood, he got blacklisted, which is why we haven't seen Brendan Fraser in anything since, like, the, uh, late 2000s, I think, and then he came back with The Whale, um, like, that's his first appearance since then, because he's been blacklisted, um, in Hollywood, so, anyways, that's the whole context for all of this, um, basically, I was motivated to see, okay, well, how is Super Asian America doing, like, how, what does our representation look like, what does the landscape actually look like, um, and what can we do to do better, um, if, if at all, really. So, um, we're going to launch in, it's going to be the same sort of format as last episode. I'm going to start with the bad and be like really exhausted and upset. Um, and then we'll go to the good and then I'll highlight a couple characters who I think are really cool. Um, and then we'll pivot once again to the solutions and, and stuff, which I think are probably going to be the same as last episode, but you know, uh, just in case you didn't listen to last episode, um, you get to hear those, those thoughts here. So, launching right in with the shitty stuff. Um, So I don't remember how many DC characters that I looked at, but basically I went through the whole list on Wikipedia and did a little short little profile on these characters for like who they were created by, when they were created, and what powers they have, if any. Um, So like I said, we'll start with the sort of bad themes that I saw first. Um, Interestingly enough, Marvel didn't have a ton of, like, mysticism at work, um, other than, like, I think Wong, who's the sidekick for Doctor Strange, like, there isn't really too much, like, like, oh, because you're Asian, you're, like, this, you have, like, supernatural, I don't know, like, you've, you've got a more, a stronger connection to the supernatural because you're, like, the culture is mystical or whatever, so, um, however, DC, uh, has two characters that are base are, are blind, um, and are, um, like, made superheroes, like, not necessarily despite being blind, but, like, to add to sort of, like, the mysticism and stuff. So, the first character is named I Ching, or, or, I Ding, or, um, this is spelled I Ching, I don't, I don't know how white people pronounce this, honestly, um, it, I-C-H-I-N-G, um, this is, uh, based off of a Chinese fortune-telling system called the I Ching, um, and, this is, so this character is a blind martial artist, um, and he was created by two white men, um, in 1968, um, and then the other character is Jade Ifei, who's a Green Lantern, so at least she's got actual superpowers, but she's also blind, um, she was created in 2013 by white men, um, and I... I'm going to need to, like, find the article that, or, like, the essay that I, I saw about this, but basically, like, um, it's cool to have disability representation 
in superhero spaces and also at the same time I think the thing that um happens is that like these disabilities get turned into um superpowers or they get um like the superpowers that the characters end up having end up like being able to supersede the disability or whatever whereas um I think the uh perspective from from some folks in the disability community is like our disability isn't something that should be viewed as like a crutch to get over it's just part of us and like our experience don't quote me on this I don't remember the essay exactly um and also I'm not disabled so this isn't like really my wheelhouse but um yeah these these characters are blind and at least like with the with Jade um she actually gets um enhancement from her green lantern powers that like sort of allow her to be able to see and they enhance her hearing um as for Jing, he doesn't get anything special he's just a blind martial artist and yeah the the mysticism is just like oh I may be blind, but I'm, like, so connected to, like, the natural world around me that I can, like, pick up on things and and make up for my lack of, you know, eyesight or whatever, and, like, this is a trope that we see a lot in different media, like, this is especially evident in, like, Avatar The Last Airbender with the character of Toph and she can like quote-unquote see with vibrations and that turns into her like superpower of sorts like yeah it's it's dubbed seismic sense um which is cool and all and also like it's a weird relationship with disability um but yeah there's just like all this mysticism and like oh you're like so exotic and cool and like special because you have this disability um when like you know that doesn't really happen in the real world so um that was one thing that i noticed um and then of course we fall into some of the um overlaps with marvel um you have a lot of characters who are just regular degular humans who just happen to know martial arts so in no particular order you've got um Wing, who is from the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Um, he's the sidekick to Crimson Avenger. Um, the important thing to note here is neither Crimson Avenger nor Wing have actual superpowers. Um, but anyways, these characters were created in 1938 by a couple white men. Um, there's also Striker Z, or Daniel Tang, who was created by white men in 2002. Um, all I have in my notes is that he's a human battery don't remember exactly what that means but like he i guess he does have some superpowers but like he he knows martial arts and i was like okay well martial arts isn't like a superpower so um there's also claw um from primal force um he was created or they i don't remember if if claw is a man or a woman but they're created by white folks in 1994 um and they have anger issues but they also have no superpowers they just are good swordsmen um i think they have like a special sword and that grants them some power so once again the whole thing with like artifacts and like does using an artifact actually make you a super like a superhero or is it are you just like a regular person who just happens to have like a miss like a, a tool um so there's claw um lady shiva um or sandra wusan um was created by a white writer and a cuban-american artist in 1975 um once again she has no superpowers but she knows 
martial arts. And this character in particular is a little strange because, like, Shiva is not, like, if someone from the Chinese pantheon or, like, any sort of, like, Chinese mythology, like, Shiva is a god in the Hindu pantheon. So this is, like, real peak, like, oh, Asians are just, like, you know, some, like, whatever. It's just, like, anywhere that's not Europe. Um, and just, like, obviously the whole, like, block of Asian America is really big and very diverse. It covers, you know, Southeast Asia, East Asia, West Asia, Central Asia, South Asia, like, all of these geographical regions have such diverse cultures, like, there's no way that, like, unless, and, like, this character, I would say this would be less of a problem if the character herself was actually mixed, like, Chinese and Indian. I think that would be really cool. Um, but instead, this, this character is just a Chinese woman, um, and, like, she has a nonsensical Chinese name, um, or nonsensical Chinese last name. Like, Wusan is not a Chinese surname. Um, unless, I guess, you're going with, like... <laughs> Maybe her parents, like, she's taking both of her parents' names, um, but even then, that's a stretch. Um, so, yeah, like, you can't, like, mash these two different cultures together like this into, like, one person, especially if you're going to call a Chinese-American woman Lady Shiva. Like, that is not respectful of any of the source material, um... So white folks stop playing in the sandbox, <laughs> um, unless you do your research and even then stop playing in the sandbox because Avatar Studios needs to really let it go. <laughs> um, so there's Lady Shiva, um, and then the last two are just once again swordsmen. Um, there's Bushido or Yuku Orsono, um, which. Uh, what a stretch for a Japanese last name like that that last name just doesn't work, um, but he was created in 2000 by white people, um, and I think his most notable, like, appearance is, I think there's an episode in Teen Titans where he shows up, um, but yeah, he's associated with the Teen Titans, he does not have any superpowers, he just knows how to handle a sword, um, and then there's Katana, or Tatsuya Mashiro, who was created by white folks in 1983, um, they're swordsmen, um, I believe they showed up in Birds of Prey, uh, I don't remember, and I can't really say that I care too much, um, but, yeah, lots of, lots of just regular people who, uh, don't have superpowers, but, like, they have, they know, they know how to fight, whether it be with martial arts or using a sword, and, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's not great. Enough! Simply enough! Like, I, I'm tired of tired of people being like, oh, you know, swords play, or, you know, sword play, like, that's, like, enough for a superpower, like, you know, martial arts, like, uh, you never see, like, someone, some white dude wielding an axe, and people are like, oh, you're a superhero, um, I mean, there's Thor, and he has a hammer, but, like, he also is supposed to be, like, a god, and so he actually does have superhuman powers, um, he just happens to also have a hammer that, um, can also do superhuman things. Anyways, um, you don't see this sort of thing with white characters, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, racist, it's orientalism, it's mysticism, it's, it's just not 
cool. Martial arts and swordsplay are not superpowers, bottom line. Okay, so we're going to move on to the, from that to a couple more, like, nasty things that DC did with the Asian American characters. Um, there's, as per usual, fetishization of Asian women. Um, there was a character named Gloss from the New Guardians, like Floss, but with a G, Gloss, um, and she was created in 1988, um, and while she is a superhuman and she she like has superpowers um she's able to she has superhuman strength and then can can, can control um the elements um also her like the when she was originally written she apparently her her mission was to uh just have babies yeah it it's not good wow, what a fucking two-dimensional character. Not even two-dimensional, just one-dimensional. She's just like, I want to fuck and have kids. And it's like, okay, um, anything else? Like, come on. Uh, man, it's just like, ugh, it's bad. And then there's um, another character from, oh, you know what? I ended up deleting that out of my notes by accident. But um, so there was this group of superheroes from China um, in the DC universe called like the Magnificent Ten or something like that. And I don't remember the actual Chinese name of this character because uh, all these superheroes ended up getting Chinese names and a lot of them are like very nonsensical. Um, but or they're supposed to be like poetic and idiomatic. Um, and it's just very obvious that a non-Chinese person just, like, typed shit into Google Translate and then just, like, got shit back, and they're like, yeah, this works. Um, maybe. I You can take that with a grain of salt. I don't know how much these people actually, like, consulted, but, like, I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but there was one character called, like, the Undying Mother or something like that, and her superpower was, like, after being exposed to radiation, she can give birth to, like, sets of ten clones who are like super soldiers every three days it's like wow your superpower is fertility like what um i mean i guess at least she doesn't have to have sex for it to happen but like there were a couple times where she did have sex with characters to like make that happen and it's like wow, this is pretty gross to have, like, women reduced to just, like, yeah, you're here to just make babies. That's fucking sexist as hell. And, um, yeah, even even weirder when, like, for that character, they're just, like, they're clones um, of each other, and they only, like, you can have do this every three days, and they have, like, a very, very brief lifespan. It's very, um... I don't know what's going on in people's imaginations, if at all. Uh, either way, um, yeah, that was bad, to say the least. So, um, yeah, white men are not allowed to, to write about Asian American women anymore. Thank you very much. Um, so now two sort of new themes. Um, actually, not two, just one um, theme that was sort of like different from Marvel. I think, like, a lot of the Marvel characters, um, who were Asian-American, most of the time it ended up being, like, pretty, um, substantial and, like, either headed up their own titles or, like, pretty significant characters. Um, 
However, with DC, you have a lot of just, like, throwaways. So, like I said, there was Wing from before, from Seven Soldiers of Victory, um, sidekick to Crimson Avenger, um, keyword here being sidekick. Um, and then there's even, um, there's another character in the DC uh, animated universe, um, another Green Lantern, his name is Cairo, um, which, like, uh, what nationality are you supposed to be it's very unclear um but this character is a green lantern um and he appeared in the dc animated universe in 2000 um there's really nothing more to say about this character he's just like there and like i understand that there need to be background characters but like just make your background characters that are, like, fillers white, because, like, we don't care about them. Like, there are already so many, like, white characters around. Like, you can just put some in the background. Why don't you make the important characters non-white? Um, that's really... <laughs> that's what it really all boils down to. I'm running out of steam so fast, and we're, like, not even halfway through. God. Okay, so... Um, yeah, that's, there's just, like, what I wrote was just, like, these are just sort of, like, nothing characters, they're just, like, sidekicks or background, and, like, background characters or sidekicks don't really fully count as representation because, um, like, background characters, for obvious reasons, we don't have, like, a story, there's nothing to, like, learn about them, um, and as for sidekicks, like, Asian characters have been in a sidekick role for so long, and, like, people have... Um, had to see themselves um, not really having the spotlight and like always being second place. And um, I remember growing up, um, and I think like a lot of Asian American actors right now would say this too, is like I never saw the possibility of like myself or anybody looking like me in a position of power or like a leading role because I never saw any characters that looked like me doing that. We were always sidekicks and stuff. So, um, enough of that. Um, yeah, we don't, like, there, this is, this is obviously, like, a big reason why representation is important, right? Because, like, the more possibilities that you can see for yourself in fiction, like, the more possibilities that you can end up feeling open to actually in real life, and that's sort of a, an interesting relationship that fiction has with our own reality. Not to say that that's the be-all, end-all solution to um, fixing racism, but it is one part that is helpful. Um, I think some people put a little bit too much weight into how helpful it is, but it is helpful in some regard. Um, and so that's that's all of that. Um, I did save the last, um, the worst, worst of the worst for last. Um, so this is sort of a, like, good and a bad. The good part is that DC actually has a fair amount of mixed superheroes. Um, mixed being like, oh, they're Asian, American, and then something else, whether that be white or black or Latino or, you know, some, some other ethnicity mixed in. So that's the good. Um, there's this character... The character that I wanted to highlight is um, black and Vietnamese, um, and he was created by white folks in 1993, and he actually has superpowers. Um, they're called Dark Force Blasts, um, so I'm assuming it's just like sort of energy blast things that um, use darkness or whatever. Um, 
And here we come to truly the worst part of this episode. I told some friends about this, and they were fucking appalled. But um, if you had to guess at what they call this character, what would you think? I'm gonna like pause for a few seconds here, so uh, we can you can you can come up with some guesses. Wonderful. Um, probably none of your guesses involved mongrel. That's right. This mixed black and Vietnamese character is named mongrel um literally uh anybody who is mixed knows why this is terrible um and a lot of this just happens to do with like blood quantum stuff and like uh white concepts of purity which are fully rooted in eugenics and um yeah there's a lot of just like implications of dirtiness and filthiness and like subhumanness from mongrel like you might as well just call this character mutt and like call it a day it's not good um and honestly i can't believe that they got away with doing this it's been almost 30 years uh since this character was created and i honestly want an apology from the artist's uh, the the authors because this is fucking <laughs> unacceptable i god just like so disrespectful like there is someone out there who is black and vietnamese and the fact that the character that they have for themselves is named mongrel um there's a lot in addition to like all the like subhuman shit like involved in subhuman overtones involved in the name or like the word mongrel like there's a lot of racist history there too um like that's really all i'm gonna say it's like very anti-black i can't believe that these people got away with naming this character mongrel um i mean i can because they're white folks and like dc is run by white people but like oh my god it's so bad um like i just i i lost my train of thought because this was just so this knocks me off my rocker every time. I can't believe. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's it's kind of good in that they have, like, mixed representation, but also, like, why would you call your character basically a slur? I don't know. It's so bad. Um, okay, <laughs> so that's enough of the bad. We'll move on to some of the good stuff. Um, so... The first good example is sort of a lukewarm one. Um, so, like, you know, when when people are, are building superheroes, the sort of boring example is just, like, regular superhumans. So they just happen to be a human person who happens to, like, be a better human. So, like, they, they've got super strength and they can, like, run super fast and just generally a person but, like, enhanced so we do have that um in the dc universe her name is grace Choi uh from the outsiders she was created in 2003 by white men um and yeah at least like we've got a sort of boring vanilla character that actually has superpowers so that's cool um there's also um a revamp of superman um called new superman um, and his civilian name is Kong Kanai, and he was created by, um, a Chinese writer and a white artist in 2016. The writer is 
Gene Wen Yang, um, who's the guy who wrote ABC or American Born Chinese, and he, um, you know, I trust him to do actual good storytelling um, versus like some white dude. Um, but anyways, this character's origin story is he develops um, the powers of Superman after being exposed to kryptonite infused with Superman's chi, which, I mean... The origin story could be better, honestly. Um, it's an interesting idea, and then, like, eventually he, like, his powers diverge enough from Superman such that he becomes, um, he has, like, two sort of alternate modes that he's got. Um, he can become, um, Yin Superman or Yang Superman. Um, like, the Yin is, um, he, like, gains all, like, dark energy, and, um, Yang Superman is, like, light energy, um, I don't remember what, anything else from those two. I just remember thinking, huh, that's a cool idea. I'm not going to write that down. Um, but, I mean, it's, like, an interesting way to sort of make that version of Superman, like, distinct from other Supermans. Um, like I said, I do think that the introduction or the origin story is a little corny, but, you know, at least it's not terrible. <laughs> It's better than than some of the other stuff that I talked about. So, um, yeah, those are sort of the two good ones. And then there are a few really cool characters, actually, that I found. Um, so the first, uh, if anybody remembers the character Darwin from X-Men. This is kind of like Darwin, um, but this character's name is Grunge. His civilian name is Percival Edmund Cheng or Chang, uh, he's created by Korean-American authors and white artists, and his superpower is he's able to mimic the molecular structure of any material that he touches, um, so I thought that was pretty cool, um, pretty cool superpower, um, the next one is kind of corny, um, but I figured, uh, it's cool because we have some queer representation here, um, so there's a character named Blitzen, were Valerie Kamea, um, and she was created by black writers and a white artist in 1994. Um, I don't remember the superhero team that she's on, but um, she is in a relationship with another one of her superhero teammates named Donner um, or Jerry Brower. Um, Blitzen has super speed. I don't remember what Donner has. The only goofy thing is that they're named after reindeer from Santa's uh, reindeer squad. How, how does people respond or like refer to Santa's reindeer? Is it just Santa's reindeer? And I, I just like weirdly said Santa's reindeer squad. Anyways, um, yeah, they're Blitzen and Donner. At least it wasn't two other like different reindeer names. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, so there's Blitzen. Um, and then, um, another really cool super who has cool superpowers is, Iron Butterfly, or Kahina Eskandari, um, and she's on the same team as Blitzen, also created in 1994, and she can control metallic substances. Um, I don't remember if there are really any uh, equivalents for this in, in the Marvel Universe, other than maybe Magneto, um, and like that sort of metal, control of metal, um, I guess skews a little bit more masculine, so it's really cool to see that given to uh, a woman character in the DC universe, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then the last example that I thought was also really cool, more queer representation, um, and probably my favorite one, I will say, we'll take this with a 
um, the caveat that she doesn't have any superpowers, but also her main blueprint also doesn't have any superpowers. But so the whole context here is um, it is an iteration of Catwoman. So we all know Catwoman um, is Selena Kyle and she does not have any superpowers. She's just like acrobatic and like does cool things and she uh, is very selfish and like, you know, does things for her own personal gain and whatever. Um, but so at some point, Selena Kyle actually like puts down the mantle of Catwoman and another character, Eiko Hasegawa, picks it up and becomes a new Catwoman. Um, so Eiko was actually created by a white woman in 2014. Um, from what I remember, this person was a sci-fi writer, so like she's got some like authoring experience already, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, the cool part is Eiko is actually in a romantic relationship with Selena Kyle, like canonically. Um, and like they are shown kissing and it's cool. So yeah, I don't know. There's some there are some cool things, but for the most part, I'm just still. Oh god, I'm still really stuck on Mongrel. Ugh, I'm just so like, I'd, if we had to have a report card side by side, Marvel versus DC, I think DC has the worst one solely because of Mongrel. It's so bad. Oh. My god okay i actually need a break after going through all of that so we'll take a break and then we'll come back with what's your nonsense and then we'll close out all right and welcome back from the break um fun peek behind the curtain i fully took a nap <laughs> i was just like so done and uh also i guess i didn't sleep well last night or something but i fully took a nap and um also went to go cook dinner so uh I, i've got something like on a low simmer right now and this is luckily a quick part of the pod so anyways uh hope you guys are uh staying hydrated make sure you drink some water and we're going to jump into what's your nonsense so this is the final part of the show where we talk about things that um either you're into that nobody else seems to be into or is talking about or something that makes you happy um and uh, you know, what better way to start off the new year than um, really taking honest social inventory of yourself and uh, see who actually brings you joy. Uh, see, see what friendships like bring you joy and which connections bring you joy and which ones don't. Um, I um, was, was really forced to take an honest look at um, some connections that I had in my life uh, recently and... Um, and really draw the boundary and say, like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm turning 30 in less than a month, and the way that I view, like, mature connections and relationships, like, there's mutual respect and, like, admiration and and everything from both sides, and um, there have been a couple of relationships or connections, really, in my life recently where I'm like, you know, actually, I don't have, a, these these connections don't bring me joy, and they're not actually, like, serving me in any way. They're not helping me to feel good about myself. Um, in fact, I dread a lot of these social interactions. And so as a result, like I more or less set boundaries around these, these, uh, connections and, and how much I inter interact with them, if at all. Um, and you know, it was tough because a lot of these connections very much feels like, oh, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Um, and also at the same time, you know, it, to be honest, with a lot of these, like, 
it, it's the much kinder thing to do to say like, hey, um, you know, I uh, don't think that we're getting along as friends or like this connection isn't really working for me. Um, it's kinder to, you know, be honest with that person and to stop, you know, leading them on. Um, so that's what I ended up doing. And I think um, that, you know, you should do that if you, you know, take social inventory, if there are relationships that, or connections where you feel like you're not deriving joy and happiness, um, or something positive really from that connection, then, you know, it's totally fine to let it go. And obviously you don't have to, depending on the connection and the strength of the connection or like how often you interact or whatever, um, you don't have to have like a, a big confrontation or even like say anything. Some of these connections that you have may be very tenuous um, and you genuinely don't owe that person anything. Um, so ghosting is sometimes an option that is fine. Um, so that that is one thing that uh, one one nonsense that I would like to highlight um, as well as um, stop being a low maintenance friend. I, I feel like in the past I used to be the low maintenance friend and I would be like, oh yeah, you don't have to like worry about like calling me or checking in on me or whatever. Um, we'll hang out whenever we hang out and we'll pick up wherever we left off. Um, and as I've been getting older, um, I have realized that, um, you know, I've, I've rediscovered the joy of phone calls and voicemails. Um, and so as a result, I've got like a panel of people like a group of five people who I will just call sometimes. And and sometimes we have like a really great deep conversation. Like today I, I called my friend on my way to get my car fixed and or car serviced. And we had a really great conversation about like um, stories and how sometimes uh, TV and or other different forms of media like extend a story for much longer than it needs to be. Um, alive, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, and sometimes they just have, like, really silly conversations. Um, it's, uh, especially, like, we're still in a pandemic, and I, a lot of my friends aren't local to me, so, um, I don't know, invest some time in growing your relationships and fostering and, and, and growing your connections. I, I think it's really worth it, um, brings a lot of joy and, um, brings a lot of love into your life just so that way you know that there are people who really earnestly appreciate your presence and your thoughts and, and your feelings. Um, I think that is always important to have and always important to reiterate. Um, I think that'll also help like bring some happy, more happiness into your life just because if you're reminded of that um, more often than not, then that's something that you get to, to focus on and, and remember. So those are my two pieces of nonsense. Number one is take inventory of all your connections and um if the tree needs pruning then um prune away and then number two uh stopping the low maintenance friend don't be afraid to like reach out and connect um if for whatever reason people are like really weird about you doing this then um that might be a a nice little not warning per se but like a little nudge to to reconsider um the strength of that connection so um, with that, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you liked the show and you want more of this and you want to support it, um, please go on over to patreon.com slash nonsense and noise pod. This is a completely independent operation. I do all the editing and stuff. So, um, yeah, please consider, 
um, supporting the pod that way. There are a few different uh, membership tiers. There's tier one, which gets you a shout out on the pod. Tier two, which will actually get you a- uh, access to some bonus episodes. I have a couple bonus episodes in mind planned for um, probably soon at some point. Um, and then there's tier three, which gets you the uh, ability to propose topic ideas or pitch topic ideas for me to talk about. Um, so past pitches have included um, a deep dive into the culture of Avatar The Last Airbender, all the cultural building blocks that went into that. Um, I keep saying this, there is going to be a part two where we talk about Korra, and I'm just trying to get my friend um, set up some time with my friend to actually do that. Um, we'll be recording in person, which I actually have not done before. Um, so we'll see how that all works out. Um, and then also boys love has been another, um, topic pitched to talk about. Um, so yeah, feel free to follow at tier three. If that is something that you'd maybe like to, um, if you'd like to have that opportunity to do so, if you want more of me and my goofiness, uh, follow me at, Kato, not Kato. That is K-A-H-T-O-N-O-T-K-A-Y-T-O. That is the same across Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter. Those are the three main socials that you can find me at. Uh, most active on Twitter. Um, I will be trying to get back into streaming on Twitch. Um, I finished playing Pokemon Violet, and the story uh, fully demolished me. And we'll probably have a podcast episode about Pokemon Violet and Scarlet as a review. Um, It'll maybe be the first video game episode. Who knows? But that'll be an episode soon. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so I want to actually get back into, like, streaming some of the other games that I've been streaming. So Harvestella and, like, the other zillion games that I have in my backlog. um, As well as maybe, like, some Valorant and maybe Overwatch 2. Who knows? Um, And, yeah, so if you follow me on twitch or twitter you should get little notifications for when i go live on twitch um though following me natively on twitch will get you those more reliably you don't have to like scroll through your feed for that on twitter um and then i am not really super active on instagram but uh who knows maybe i'll try looking at that for like a marketing alternative or something for doing little sound bites for the pod um but yeah uh, thanks so much for listening to another one. Thank you for dealing with, or <laughs> thank you for sitting through me being exhausted and upset <laughs> with the DC universe. Um, and hope to see you in the next one. Thanks. Bye.